Pickaxe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Breaking Benson, not Benson's, Breaking Podiots. Breaking Podiots. This just in, there are several more places on Google Maps that Podiots is now proudly presenting. Oh my God, it's never ending. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm growing to love it more and more as time goes by. They're getting more creative. It's it's truly, truly maniacal. I'm fearing it more and more because like, not only, so, you know, any random person could decide to change the Time Bridge's name to Dave's Bridge, you know, just for a joke. And it happens and people do, people do vandalize Google Maps. But the more that this happens it might like garner enough attention that it gets like an article written about it. Like, <laughs> why is the word podiots all over all over Google Maps? What is this word podiots? I welcome it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Free yeah. advertising, right? Absolutely. It's a yeah. free thing to bring along as well, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Sure is. Should we run through some of these? Oh, yeah. I, want to, I want to kick off with the one that instantly jumped out to me. Is, uh, in Ireland, there's the Podiat's Emporium of Kraken Bants. <laughs> Very silly. Brilliant. I like that one. Have you got one, Peter? I don't remember which of these we read last week, but I've got Podiat's Proudly Presents the Dave Benson Phillips Park, which is a place <laughs> of worship. Brilliant. It's in Ipswich. Lovely. Uh, what about Podiat's Presents Silica? which is a shop within a mall of America somewhere. Oh, nice. Love it. Uh, what else we got? What else we got? There's a skate park in the middle of nowhere named after us now, which is great. I have to make good. a pilgrimage there. Good, good. Go and do some skating. Excellent. Yeah. Mad, Mad stunts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's, a, there's, a, there's um. Oh, where is this? In Southampton, just outside of it, there's uh, Podiats Presents, the Hamble Water Taxi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like an actual business as well. It's not just a derelict plot. Whoops. Uh-oh. Whoops. <laughs> uh, just north of Swindon, if you feel like going to Swindon, you could visit the Podiats Presents, the Keith Chegwin Memorial Naturist Park. Oh. <laughs> it's lovely. Fantastic. Um, you got some more, Peter? I'm, I'm looking for some more. No, not ones that I've not already done. Uh, what is this one? Podiats presents the Big Hole Museum, Good. Uh, which yeah. has been placed down on like what I assume is some amazing natural wonder. It's like this giant lake thing with like vertical cliffs all the way around it in South Africa. Um, someone's just named it the Big Hole Museum. <laughs> uh, uh, and there's uh, don't forget. Podiats presents Wank House in Germany. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I like right that next one. door to Podiats present Wank View. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's silly. That's silly. It Stop is. it. <laughs> but we've also got Podiats presents Crystal Palace Dinosaur Park. Uh, that's that's the oh, that's brilliant. the crowning champion, I think. I'd love Podiats. to go there. I've always wanted to go since I was a little boy. <laughs> to Crystal. Been. To Podiats presents Crystal Palace Dinosaur Park. Yes. 
Where you can get a picture with a sign that says our name on it. We should be able to get in for free now. Yeah, I can only assume that when the name changes on Google Maps, they have to update all of their signage in real life as well. Yeah, it's a legally binding thing. All redone. um, Podiots presents Haypenny Bridge. Yeah. Um, Not sure where that is. Uh, Amsterdam, maybe? Um, Uh, It does look very Amsterdam, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, no. Looking at it, it might be Ireland. Oh, could be. I suppose if it's Haypenny Bridge, it's not going to be an English. Spe- it's going to be an English-speaking um, uh, country, isn't it? It does say "Droichid na life" underneath it, and I've butchered that for sure. Dublin. It says Dublin. Yeah, that could Aiden be submitted show. it and said uh, in Dublin. So there you go. That be okay. That's where okay. it is. Yeah. There's all sorts. After the podcast, I might. Log on to my uh, vandalism account and rename the landmark for the twat sign to Podits Presents the twat sign. <laughs> <laughs> Put a little picture of your, your, your picture in there. Peter, yeah, you've well. got to do that. Yeah. You've got to get that in there. Mm-hmm. For sure. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Poddy. It's the official, official. Vidiots podcast. Uh, it's a conversational podcast where we take some questions from you at home and obey the law of the three R's, where everybody brings a thing along to, to talk, talk about. about. I'm Ben. I'm Peter. And I'm Michael. Right, boys. Right there, Mikey, you're a little bit... Sounds a little bit sexy there. I'm a little pony at the minute. I've got, I've got, I've got, got the ills. I'm fine. Oh. I'm on the tail end of it. My lovely, my lovely holiday away was rudely interrupted by Mister Cold Virus. No. So, no. But yeah, I, 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 I sound all sexy and radio voicey today, so it's going to yeah. be extra, extra good. It's going to worked out well then. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. I, I should, I should aim to get ill exactly a week before every <laughs> podcast. Yeah. So I get, I get this, these lovely dulcet tones through your ears. Yeah. How are you two doing? Doing all right, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I've had my cold as well the past couple of uh, about a week, week or so ago. So, yeah. Good, good. You had yours yet, Ben? Your summer Not cold? Yet. No, I'm just sort of looking. I mean, you've seen. I'm about to talk about yeah. my gammy arm, Peter. I'm just looking. Mm-hmm. At oh, it. No, no. fair enough. I'm just looking at it right now. I got tattooed. Ooh. On uh, well, let's. Oh, how many days ago was it? Time is meaningless. Uh, like five, six days ago. And five days ago. And it is so sore. It's so sore. This is the sorest a tattoo has ever been that I've uh, in the sort of healing process. It is not looking good currently. Um, I've been reassured that it's fine. But my God, it is. It's angry, Michael. It's so angry. It is really angry looking. I've seen it. Oh, the things it's, we do for pain. I mean, for beauty, sorry. For beauty, yes. <laughs> yes. yes, I love pain. <laughs> I, it's so hot anyway at the moment. And I just am struggling to sleep because my arm is so sore and I can't lie on it. And it, it's, it, I got tattooed on my inner arm. So when I, I can't really stretch it out straight and I can't really bend it either. And it's just sort of like I'm putting on white shirts because it's so hot outside. And then it's just sort of like, kind of oozing through it it's horrible it's so horrible and i i had it wrapped up in cling film to begin with and i think i got like some kind of sweat rash because it was so hot outside basically it's been an entire disaster and i'm just praying that soon 
it scabs up real nice because at the moment oh man i'm losing my goddamn mind it's so itchy i just want to just want to scratch all the skin off my arm oh have you tried giving it a good old slap that's the uh the best method for Give it oh, a yeah, slap. The yeah if i slap it I think it will mostly come <laughs> off anyway in like just one big lump. Just oh, your tattoo will just peel off. off. My my arm might just fall off at the at the joint. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm irritable, shall we say? Oh, good. Feeling feeling a bit irritable, um, but otherwise okay. Ready for winter now, you know? <laughs> yes. So I can complain about it being cold instead. Yeah, at least we're not sweating through that all time. I didn't expect there to be a second heat wave. I thought we were done with it. I thought oh, that was the God. peak, but no. It's coming back. Yeah. Oh, boy. And as Peter and I said to each other earlier, it's going to be worse next year. <laughs> Yay! And every year following. Oh, boy. Yes, it most certainly is. Uh, but if people listening at home would like to support us, I don't know, by maybe donating money so that we can buy small Argos fans and then wonder why the fans why we're not cool when we've got our 10 pound argos fans yeah um then you can go to streamlabs.com forward slash podiats donations if you donate three pounds or more you get a shout out at the beginning and the end of the show you support us in what we do and you might also keep us cool potentially um and buy lots of tattoo cream to help after the fact Mm. mikey yes do you have the first group of donators? I do indeed. Let us begin with Peter's Drunk Gaming Uncle. I've got to do the voice for this one. EA Spunk. Nope, sorry. EA Spunk. It's in my ass. Whoa. <laughs> hey, the, the call paid off nicely for that one. That was very good. <laughs> Thank you. Love Spuds. Romantic Canal Museum. Uh, the very stupendously generous Tanker Wanker. Wow. They say, here's a $200-y dues. Blimey. Uh, blimey, indeed. Thanks for all the laughs and entertainment over the years as I drive around the east coast of Australia. About time I finally chipped in. 100 bucks for the podcast and 100 bucks for Peter as a wedding gift. Cheers, oh. lads. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, thank, thank you, Tanker, tanker Wanker. Mr. Mr. Wanker. <laughs> Janet Wicks steals from Wicks. Wicks. <laughs> Wicks. Harry Balzac. Stephen Scordes. Mr. Black. Mr. Blobby becomes a nude model. Plodiot And Donak07. Thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you, Tanker Wanker, for the Thank wedding you. gift. That's very mm. kind indeed. Uh, the list continues with Weddy Feber Dove's Lick. Uh, Lord Brotovich, Hobnob for Blobjobs, <laughs> Cowboy B. Brock, Big Titty Jesus 42, The Jizz Waffles, Caroline, Your New Wife's a Cunt, Ooh, whoa. Ben Gates, Go Beep Beep Wee, <laughs> Janet Wicks, Wicks, sorry, Janet Wicks steals from Wicks. Twice. <laughs> Stiff Goblin Clitoris, Your Carp is Beautiful. Ben's son and head jizz. Very good. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to need some help with that one. What's that? Benson and Hedges. Oh, Benson. Okay, got it. Hey, got hey, it. Go. Ben's son and head jizz. <laughs> the official uh, cigarette of the Podiat's podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, Podiat, Podiat present Caroline's cunt. Caroline's, sorry, it says. Caroline's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Bartek Hugh G for Skinton. 
Okay. I'm not saying it in any other way. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's totally fine. Uh, we've also got... Ca- <laughs> Caro time here is Bean's line. Right. What, is, what does that mean? <laughs> does it that means mean? Caroline here is Bean's time. But someone's fucked it up. Oh. Well, they've done it on purpose, I think. Have they? Yeah, it's a sort of a spoonerism, I think. I'm not sure. I can't. I just can't see it. You're making them feel really uncomfortable. They're they're listening now, and they're like, oh, "Well, no. you know what? They're no. just going to have to donate again and explain it." Oh yeah. no! Maybe across several donations. You know, <laughs> I don't understand that one. Citation needed. Uh, I am the Shaft Lord, Midwestern Kevin, Dick and Dom in the Naked Jungleo, Mister Macker for Podiat's Defense Fund. Thank you. Thank you. A great wet belp. Running out of nasty names, the very generous Prince Beefcakes, who says, hope you all haven't melted yet. We're getting melting. It's still Currently. time. Yeah. Ashton, kick him in the balls. <laughs> Rave Benson Phillips and Snail Rehab. I think it's Snail Rehab's birthday, maybe, as well. Ooh. Just Ooh. double check. Yes, it is. I hope you had a wonderful birthday. Thank you. Uh, Joe, we should start doing. What's that? We should, we should pick our favorite name every episode. Oh, Okay. What's your favourite? I quite like Dick and Dom in the Naked Jungalo, purely because of the last word. Jungalo is clever. That rhymes with bungalow. It does. That naked is jungle. It's so clever. It is very clever. Yeah. What are yours? Mm. Um, for some reason, I'm drawn towards, for no reason, uh, a, a great wet belp. Yeah. <laughs> belps are good words. Like, what, is a, good. what is a belp, please? In my head, that's like it's like a combination fart and burp. It's very wet sounding and visceral. Oh. A belp. Uh, actually, it's a municipality in Switzerland. Oh well, well there, there you go. go. <laughs> it's great, the rain. It rains there a lot. <laughs> yeah. Wet belp. Oh, what's it in Urban Dictionary? Hang on. Oh, that's the important one. A technique used by old Irish farmers to till and rake the land in prospect of cultivating potatoes. Ooh. Yo, dude, that chick thinks she knows belping, but she is whack. Is the example. Five right. thumbs up, three fun thumbs down. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of a mixed mixed batch there. Um my favorite one that we got is uh Hobnob for Blob Jobs. Uh yeah, yeah that's, that's a good one. I like that one. Solid, yeah. solid. It's fun. I enjoyed that one. Um well, excellent. Thank you so much. That's your pod squad for this week. Streamlabs.com forward slash podiats donations, three pounds or more to get a shout out at the beginning and the end of the show. I am question boy this week. I have a question. Would you guys like to hear it? Oh, please. Yes, please. This is from Sam at Samuel DeBarber. You are a relief teacher. I think that means substitute teacher. And have not been left any work for the students. You can't let them off <laughs> or work on other classes, nor can you talk about any of your favourite tropes, ferrets, National Trust, Game Boys, video games, etc. What would you teach a lesson on? Assume it's an English class, for example. <laughs> Oh man, that's Purely a really from good question. Your own knowledge, what would you, not necessarily competently, but what would you teach a class? It's a bit weird given that they've ruled out our favourite tropes because where's the line? You know, I could pick some, say, some interesting period of history or, you know, some kind of interesting event. Um, like, I wouldn't choose this, but for example, we're, me and Amy have been watching the. the uh, a Netflix documentary about the, the D.B. Cooper hijacking, if you're mm. aware of that. The guy who, like, in the 70s hijacked a plane, uh, land, got the crew to land it in an airport, said, I'm taking the crew hostage, I've got a bomb, I want $200,000, 
and five parachutes. So they gave it to him. He then got them to fly over the mountains in America and he jumped out of the plane with all the money. He didn't harm anyone mm. and no one know he was never caught and no one knows who he was. So just a quick thing there. But anyway, something like that, for example, I find interesting. And if I picked some kind of interesting historical event, is that still a bit sort of Peter Austin tropey, if you see what I mean? Like, where's the line? I, I think that's fine. I, yeah, yeah, I think I that's okay. I think if okay. you went in and taught them about the 50p game, that would be too much. Yeah, that's, okay, that's silly. okay. Well, I wouldn't pick D.B. Cooper, but I'll think. It'd be something like that. Have you guys got answers? I I feel like the only thing that is actually I, I know about that's worth teaching is the weird hijinks that Benjamin Franklin got up to with his, uh, his Fart <laughs> Proudly oh, yeah. letter and his mm-hmm. advice on how to choose a mit- mistress. I think it's got some kind of, you know, actual... Well, it could be presented as you know a history lesson but actually it's just the most useless and important bits of this man's life who did quite a lot of things i think i could i could probably blag it for a bit and then at the end i'd have everyone write their own interpretation of fart proudly and you know, if you were writing this for a modern audience how would you write about your farts <laughs> hmm. gotta give yeah. them a task for the last half hour of the lesson because i can't Create feel like your own tiktok that. to get people to fart proudly <laughs> ah that's good yeah <laughs> the modern version i'm a big fan of that yeah <laughs> Hmm. Is that a thing in classes now? Like, I guess media studies classes are all about making TikToks and stuff. Oh, surely, yeah, they TikToks teach them about such, TikToks. They'll get them to probably make video, online video. I don't know if it would be TikToks. Might be. It's, it's the number one thing. You got If you're going to get in the media now, you've got to know your TikToks. Yeah. Yes. Yes, you do. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I, I really struggled with this one. So I might be the supply teacher that does what everybody hopes supply teachers will do, which is wheel in the big television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and put on, on the Sh- River 7 video. <laughs> yeah, that that first and then Shrek. Okay. Nice. Yeah. That's but only the first 40 minutes of Shrek. Only the first 40 minutes of Shrek, because first you need to learn about the... Um, at least a little bit. And, um, and then move on to Shrek. Oh, we man. once went on a day thing... Uh, which for some reason was at an army base, even though it was like, I think it was a kind of a, a religion. It was it was um, kind of the RE department took us on this trip. So we just learned about like ethics and stuff. But it was at this army base for some reason. And I remember one of the sessions, the first session after lunch, we just sat and watched A Bug's Life. And I don't remember why it was relevant. <laughs> But it was such a strange experience. And we arrived and this this base was like out in the middle of all these fields, like in the middle of nowhere, all these farmers fields. And they um, just sprayed them all with manure. They'd like had all the muck spreaders out. So we got off the bus and it fucking stank so much of real bad muck spreader smell. And we had to like do some sessions outside where we learned about whatever i don't remember you know trust exercises or like what like all you remember is the smell (laughs) yeah all i remember is the smell and one of the like dorms if that would be the word i don't know what the word would be it had like their bedding dangling out of the window for some reason those are the three things i remember from the day (laughs) the image of this blanket hanging out of like a second floor window the stink of shit and the fact that we watched A Bug's Life after lunch, and I don't know what the relevance was. Um, <laughs> they had to fill some time. That was the relevance. Yeah. <laughs> Very uh, important day, clearly. Yeah. 
This has got me really wanting to put together like a collection of iconic wet, wet, wet dinner break movies or TV shows, like stuff that everyone's kind of had to watch at some point in school, just to help fill in a wet, wet break period. Yeah, there's got, there's got mm. to be some bangers on that. Spy, Spy Kids, as I think I've talked Spy about many Kids. times before, was our go-to. Was it? It was always Shrek for us. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Jealous. Spy Kids and Mr. Bean. That was that was. Uh, oh, that Mr. Was, uh, Bean. That's a good. It's a good, good one to have to watch. It's almost educational. Cultural. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Well, it's time for a thing to happen. I don't know if you can hear those sirens behind me, but uh, maybe the Newcastle's thing alarm. <laughs> the thing alarm has sounded. Who would like to do their thing first? I'd like I've... to kick... Oh. oh, go for it, Mikey. Oh, oh, no. Oh, there's a fight. I'm happy to go first if you yeah, boys are happy do. to listen to this, this voice for a little bit. I'd love to. I come with a tale of one of the greatest hoaxes to ever take place on uh, British soil. Um, this is the story of the Burners Street Hoax. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's quite quite a renowned event. Oh, no. I think so. Maybe, maybe as I get into it, you might recognise it, but it's, it's a bloody good tale. So Burners Street sounds familiar, but I have no idea what what it is. Well, let's what see if this rings is. any bells. Yeah. In November of 1810, Theodore Hook and his best friend Samuel Beasley were taking a stroll down Berners Street in Westminster, London, a particularly wet affluent area which was inhabited by elites such as the bishops of Carlisle and Chester, Lady Coote, and most importantly, the main character of this story, Mrs. Tottenham. Lady Coote. Lady Coote. I, okay. I, I, I couldn't really find anything about her. I just liked her name, so I chucked her in the list. That's good. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I base my people off of. You got a good name? Good, you're in. Uh, so before we get into the day's events, I think we should establish Hook's character. Uh, at this point in time, he was 22 years old and is best described as an absolute tinker of a man. He was highly intelligent, considerably wealthy, but most importantly, he was very mischievous. He was incredibly well-to-do and considered himself a playboy and a practical joker. So essentially, this is um, a rich boy running around London doing whatever the hell he wants. And this is this is the greatest example of his work. So on this walk with uh, Hook and Beasley, they passed by 54 Berners Street, Mrs. Tottenham's address. Hook pointed at the house and turned to Beasley and said, I bet you by this time next week, I can make that house the most talked about house in London. So Beasley obviously took him up on this and the game was afoot. The stake for all this was a one guinea bet, which is about £87 in today's money. So it's a, it's a pretty good bet. And I'm pretty sure Beasley thought, this is easy money for me. What's he going to do to make this house the most talked about house in London? Well, <laughs> you're about to find out. November 10th rolled along, exactly one week after this encounter, and the clock struck 7am, and there was a knock at Mrs. Tottenham's door. Mrs. Tottenham is obviously too important and wealthy to busy herself with opening her own front door, so a poor servant opened the door and was greeted by a chimney sweep, who said they were here to clean Mrs. Tottenham's chimney. They told the chimney sweep that they didn't need their services and they were mistaken and to please move on. They shut the door on them. And a few months later, there was another knock at the door. Same story again. Another chimney sweep who had supposedly been booked in to work that day. They were also moved along. And then there was another knock at the door. And another. And another. And another. 
Altogether, uh, 12 chimney sweeps knocked the door in quite rapid succession. The poor maid's anxiety must have quickly mounted because none of the deliver- uh, none of the people fast arriving at the door had been ordered by the household. Now, this is, this is, this is, this is funny. This is innocent in its own, own right, but it's not quite most talked about house in London levels of chicanery. Of course, if people are still talking about this 200 years after the fact, that obviously wasn't everything that took place that day. This was only the beginning of the onslaught. As the morning progressed, more and more people turned up to 54 Burner Street until a huge crowd of angry, shouting merchants had gathered outside the front door. Each one had been booked in for this date under false pretenses to carry out some kind of business. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start rattling off all the different kinds of people and businesses that uh, that made up this crowd. Okay. So, at the door, knocked male midwives, tooth pullers, miniature painters, artists of every description, auctioneers, grocers, textile merchants, horse-drawn taxis, mourning coaches. Yes, the kind you'd see at a funeral poultry sellers, an undertaker accompanied by a coffin made to measure. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's kind of dark, that one. It is. Made to measure. Yeah. He made the coffin. Yeah. Oh. Wine porters, barbers, opticians, upholsterers, doctors, and attorneys. That's not all, don't you worry. At about 5pm, a host of servants turned up after being told there was a job opening waiting for them. And then, not long after, 50 bakers turned up with a total of 2,500 raspberry tarts between them all. Oh 2,500? Yes! Quick maths, please. Quick maths. Oh, well, how many is that each? Uh, 2,500 share by 50. That's fif- That's only 50 each. That's not too bad. Oh. Yeah, Still. Doesn't seem, that doesn't seem so crazy anymore. Oh, I'm going to find out how much it costs. Um... <laughs> Yeah, imagine that must have been like crates upon crates of raspberry tarts. Not a bad thing. I think she must have been pretty pleased with that. But again, that's not all. This is just the beginning. Still. Still not all. Not all. Thank you. A fleet of carts carrying large deliveries of coal began to arrive. Have you seen the price? Seen the price of coal. (laughs) I'll tell you the price of uh, 2,500 raspberry tarts based off the price of a two pack of raspberry tarts at. Campbell's Bakery, um, it would cost £2,712.50 to pay for all of those tarts. Oh, yeesh. What year was this, Mikey? Uh, 1810. 1810. <laughs> Currency. Got some serious maths going on. To now. Oh, that's, that's okay. Value of £1,810 to now. Right. Oh, this is going to be hard to work. Work backwards. I don't know how to do this. Uh, <laughs> you oh, the cumulative you price change is. Peter, do you still have the total there in your? Yeah, calculator? it's about two point seven thousand modern you, pounds. Well, the 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 cumulative price change from eighteen ten to twenty twenty two is eight thousand six hundred twenty eight point one six percent. So if you divide by that, then <laughs> you get the original eight thousand. 628.16 Yeah, possibly. I don't know if that's what it's done, but it looks like it may have been Oh, no, I don't know about that. Well, 100 100 pounds in 1810 yep. is worth 
£8,728 today. So does that look like it makes sense based on your answer you've got there? Uh, not really, no. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> I don't think you can just divide by a percentage like that. I think you yeah, have probably to not. do something uh, no. Oh, God, yeah. It would so be what... a smaller number anyway, so it would be less exciting than the modern the modern amount. It would. <laughs> it would Let's be. just keep the image of 2,500 yeah. raspberry tarts in our head. That's, yes. that's the sexy one. Yes. Right. Sorry, Mikey, carry on. <laughs> no, this was important math that we had to attempt. Yeah. So there was the deliveries of coal, followed yeah. by a, a series of cake makers delivering large wedding cakes. Vicars and priests summoned to minister to someone in the house they had been told was dying. Jesus. Fishmongers, shoemakers, and over a dozen pianos were among the next to appear. Oh, my God. <laughs> Along with six stout men bearing an organ. Which organ? <laughs> Very <laughs> oh, for good. Six men. Oh, big, big old organ. The narrow streets soon became severely congested with not just tradesmen, but also a small crowd of onlookers trying to figure out what the hell was going on, all while laughing at the despair of these poor tradesmen. Deliveries and visits continued until the early evening, bringing not just Bernard Street, but a large part of London to a complete standstill. It was said that there was enough furniture delivered to this house to furnish the entire street. Oh, God. If all that wasn't bad enough, this didn't just end with tradesmen and businesses clogging the streets. Somehow, Hook had managed to wrangle a host of dignitaries, including the governor of the Bank of England, what? The, <laughs> the chairman of the East India Company. Oh my Jesus. God. Yeah, Jesus. The Duke of York and the Archbishop of Canterbury. <laughs> wow. Impressive. What was the, so, sorry, what was, the, how much was the bet again? Uh, £85 in today's money. <laughs> okay, that is absolutely, he spent way more than that, because that's worth £7,419 today. Well, I wonder if, if what he, um, what he did was like, make all of these arrangements and say, Owen, I trust you'll send me on the bill or, you know, I'll pay you on the day sort of thing. Yeah. And if each person thinks, oh, well, all he's done is order one piano or all he's done is order 50 tarts. Yeah, fine. Yeah. I'll, he can pay me on the day. They don't know that he's also ordered thousands upon thousands of other services. I just think I, this is going to come back to bite him in the... I mean, you may well tell us, Mikey, but yeah. it, it's going to come back to bite him in, in the ass because if he's done that and people learn of who did it because presumably he's spoken to the archbishop of canterbury and got him to show up <laughs> then his reputation is in tatters and then he's not going to be able to have any fun anymore which is apparently all he ever did as a wealthy man i think uh peter's um kind of hit the well yeah the kind of the way he did this i mean we're still not done with the people that came yet but so i think lady tottenham was quite well to do and quite well known in the elites so he essentially forged a lot of numbers, a lot of letters, uh, the number I'll disclose later on, to all these people addressed from her. So obviously, if you receive a letter from Lady Tottenham requesting your presence or whatever, mm. people are just going to go, mm. oh, she's good for it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. you go. Yeah, damn right. Uh, da, da, da. And yeah, so obviously he's used this kind of swing she had to, to help rope in everyone from chimney sweeps to the fucking Archbishop of Canterbury. Mm. <laughs> But that wasn't all. The I think the 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 ultimate crowning glory of the day was um, Hook utilised the swing Lee Tottenham had 
by getting the Mayor of London to arrive, <laughs> by requesting that he make an appearance at her house and that she was too unwell to meet her, meet her himself in person. He arrived and quickly realised it was all a hoax and left very quickly with his tail between his legs. The evening rolled around and police finally had a handle on the situation and had dispersed most of the people that were summoned. What people didn't realise is that Hook and Beasley had in fact been there the entire time, Brilliant. watching the chaos unfold from the house directly opposite 54 Burner Street. <laughs> Cheeky gets. By this point, it was pretty evident to Beasley that he had lost this bet, and Beasley handed the guinea over to Hook. And later that day, Hook fled to the countryside in order to avoid retribution for his actions. Wow. Worth it? it? Maybe. Oh, I think I think so, man. What this is a work of art. Could you imagine the absolute scenes? Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. Sure. I did do a little bit more reading on Beasley, and um, he wasn't just a scamp. He was uh, also an embezzler. Um, he stole like millions upon millions of pounds from companies, and so this is probably his light on the list of his uh, his wrongdoings. <laughs> so the next morning rolled around, and newspaper reports started flooding in. It wasn't just confined to London papers. This had made news all across the country. Uh, one annual register said that this was one of the most notable events in London of the entire year of 1810. <laughs> of course, everyone was eager to know who was the perpetrator of this fiasco. But officially, no one ever found out that Hook was behind everything. So he was ne he was ne there was no evidence to pin him to the crime. No one knew that he did it. And so he, he kind of ran off scot-free until I think it was like 15 years later in a kind of jokey autobiography he wrote of himself. He kind of had a character which revealed that, oh, I was the one who uh, who did all this. So he kind of certainly let it out there, but he still never faced any repercussions for mm. his actions. Wow. So you're probably thinking this is a hell of a lot of work for one man to undertake in just one week. Turns out this is something Hook had been planning for quite some time and he wasn't doing it alone. He had hired a small team to help him make as many bookings as possible. And it's said that this team wrote as many as 4,000 letters in the weeks or even maybe months leading up to the big day. Jeez, <laughs> 4,000 letters. Again, this is, I mean, when you've got, when you've got as much money as he does, it's just kind of, it's, it's fuck you money at that point. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make a bet and lose thousands and thousands in the process just for a laugh. And yeah, so I guess him bringing along his friend to the house was simply the last step in the process. Everything was already in motion at that point. And he was just the final piece of the puzzle before chaos ensued on the streets of London. And wow. that is that is the tale of the Burner Street hoax. Goodness That's a wonderful me. tale. I've never not heard that before. Heard of that at all? No. No, I, I I think I've heard briefly of it before, but just reading into it and looking at old newspaper newspaper clippings where they just list off all these different jobs, it's just it's amazing. There's some wonderful diagrams out there of the event as well, which I highly recommend looking at. Incredible. Thank you so much, Mikey. Oh, thank you, Stephen Brady. At uh, two pints of milk on Twitter says you are Dave Benson Phillips' new manager. You have an eighty. 80- we basically are. Let's face it. <laughs> you have an eighty k budget to revitalize his career. How would you each proceed? Well, first of all, fifty quid to go on podiats. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I wonder if I would bring Get Your Own Back back mm. um, on TV, maybe as a sort of maybe a sort of late night special um, that's kind of I don't mean sexy. I just mean you know <laughs> naked. Get your own back. <laughs> Get your own back. No, but you know, to target the audience who actually remember it as a as a show originally. So you know, a kind of a nine ten p.m. thing. Get a load of sort of current day. Yeah, because they're grown up with comedians. It, well, on, yeah, yeah. a lot of celebrities, like real famous boys and girls, like uh, what's he called? What's that Harry Potter boy called? Daniel. Daniel Radcliffe. Radcliffe. Daniel. He almost certainly grew up with. Uh, with get your own back, I would imagine. Yeah. So yeah, get them on. That's a great idea. Yeah, get a bunch of bunch of them on, and uh, you know, just just do a do a do maybe one special or do a short series, six episodes, see if it takes off. Um, and then you could spin that off into. I mean, this doesn't help Dave in any way, but you could spin <laughs> it off into a uh, sort of a CBBC comeback series. So you do like six episodes mm. to get your own back, then you you get Raven back, and you do. Six episodes of like adult celebrities doing Raven. That'd be great. I'd watch that. I'd yeah. watch Daniel Radcliffe as a grown man doing Raven. As what it is? Were. <laughs> I, th- I, I, I just as a little thing as well. Let's just let's just give him like a bit of money for a proper green screen that isn't a, a green painted wall yeah. with a bunch of DVDs in front of it. So that in his own time, he can t- continue to make money. Hmm. that's thoughtful mikey yeah we're only looking out for dave here that's right boys yeah i mean 80k i think he he goes and buys uh lottery tickets because <laughs> um, one of them's <laughs> got to win right yeah right uh, statistically yeah that's right yeah so. one of them I mean, has one. to win uh no i think he he puts <sighs> he puts 15k aside for his child's tuition, right? A university. Yeah. Get that sorted. 5K, really nice holiday. Dave deserves a holiday. Yeah. Another 5K, uh, new car. Why the hell not, yeah. right? Uh, what 2K. We, what we, um, I don't know what we're up to now. I don't know what we're up <laughs> to he now. Needs, he needs to get his uh, hand, foot and mouth sorted. Make yeah. sure that doesn't come back. <laughs> I think we're up to 27. I may be wrong. It's 15 for tuition, five for holiday, five for car, two We could spend for... a couple of quid wiping out his entire stock on eBay just so it's not a burden on him anymore. Okay, so that's £27,002 yeah. that's <laughs> now being spent. Um, so Seagull repellent. Seagull repellent. That's got to be, what, £7? Yeah, that's why I need a new car, actually. 27 so what we got? We got uh, 80 thousand take away 27 i've hit divide boys today. i've hit divide 80, <laughs> you're right a lot of maths Twenty-seven thousand and two. right so he's still got no no i did it wrong again doesn't matter press the wrong button <laughs> let's just say he's got 53 grand left that sounds nice um, um he's got it adverts i think he's gonna fly one of those skywriting planes <laughs> right uh over where should he fly over hmm. that portion that that area of london where they always advertised for the uh for blue peter's address what was it oh god uh, w something w w12 w12 that's where he flies it and yeah it says uh higher dbp 
Yeah. Um, he then and on the other side it says one hundred and fifty points. He <laughs> what on the other side of his skywriting (laughs) (laughs) well oh is it is it smoke skywriting i thought you meant it's pulling a little banner thing in my fiction yeah that's what gonna be like a couple of grand maybe yeah yeah he then spends the remaining money because he sorted himself out he sorted his uh, his offspring's future out he's got himself a nice car he's taking a little break um then he's still got let's say 50 grand i think he then what does he do? There's one There's one more thing I wanted Dave to do for himself. Like a nice thing that Dave does for himself. I think put 10 pounds on the mortgage. Uh, 10, 10 pounds on the mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> put 10 large on the mortgage. Yeah. 40k yeah. left. And with the... Re- uh, what, mm, go on. I, I think, well, we should... He had his list of all the things he would do shows for. Should we just buy that yeah, entire list for him? Set. Uh, <laughs> yeah, juggling <laughs> Thing is, he, on, he only needs that stuff because he's not on television. Once he's, got, oh, once he's back in the big time, he doesn't need the juggling set anymore. Or a dishwasher, hopefully. Um, <laughs> so he's got 40k left. I think he finds one of those like Chinese, Russian, Indian uh, bot farms and <laughs> gives them all of that money equally to basically create a fake campaign of mass interest in Dave Benson Phillips. Like tweet everyone yeah. who works for the BBC, get hashtags trending, just like this full on bot assault of making dave benson phillips relevant so everyone's like huh who's this dave benson phillips guy oh you don't remember dave benson phillips he was like oh that's dave benson phillips oh my god and then it works its way up to the top of the bbc and before we know it our boy has a pilot and then it's up to him and his talents and we know he's got them how much do you have to pay rupert murdoch or his (laughs) his empire to take an interest in someone and fill the tabloids your your soul yeah yeah i guess so I'm I'm thinking now if Dave Ben's like so we've done all this and Dave's now a household name would would you think he'd like go back into the quote unquote mainstream like television and radio and stuff like that or would he try out the the new technology like the TikToks and the Twitches do you think he'd get a Twitch account oh, I hope so <laughs> oh that that would be that would honestly be the best thing ever I think I think yeah a little bit of money should be set aside to get him a gaming computer. <laughs> now he could either have a get your only fans or <laughs> Oh very good. <laughs> only Phillips. Uh one oh, two. Very good. Uh that would be good. Actually I take it back. He only spends thirty nine thousand on the bot farm because a thousand he donates to Pod Squad. There we go. Um, there we and go. we mend fences and he realizes that we weren't actually being rude about him. We like him very much. Um Yes, yes. We just find his choices concerning. Even though we've siphoned money, us as management are supposed to be spending to better his career on into our own bank account. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we've got to take a little bit. A little yeah, bit for us. Ma- you know. That's how it do. works, though, being someone's manager, I think. You mm-hmm. siphon most of the money off. Yeah. Yeah. Bit I mean, skimming. We let Dave spend £10 on his mortgage, so we deserve a grand, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah I'd say fair. so. Peter? Yeah? Would you like to do anything? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, let me just... Get it, get it up. This was um, submitted by Richard Major to me directly on Twitter. It's Ooh. very good. It's a weird Capetia. I I was completely unaware of this. Uh, this is the Dave Matthews Band Chicago River incident. Ooh. Okay. Um, this happened on the 8th of August, 2004. Uh, okay, so this sort of goes from 0 to 11 quite quickly. Um, on o- August the 8th, 2004... 
over the Kinsey Street Bridge in Chicago, a tour bus belonging to the Dave Matthews Band dumped an estimated 800 pounds, that's 360 kilograms, of human waste from the bus's black water tank onto... (laughs) Onto the passenger sightseeing boat, Chicago's <laughs> Little Lady, sailing in the Chicago River below. Oh no, that sentence keep, kept getting worse. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Uh, the incident led to more than $300,000 in settlements, donations and fines. The band's bus driver, Stefan Vol, pleaded guilty to dumping the waste in April 2005. <gasps> wow. So we've got a uh, Wikipedia write-up here. Um, 800 pounds, that's a lot for one little tour bus. Jesus. 360 kilograms of human waste. How big is it's, that tank? I don't really understand. I don't, yeah, I, that's, I'm surprised it could even just carry that amount, as well as everything else they were carrying, surely. But anyway, the Dave Matthews Band, this is um, under the section called Background. Um, The Dave Matthews Band had booked rooms at the Peninsula Hotel of 10 East Superior Street for a two-night show at a venue in East Troy, Wisconsin. The incident occurred between the first and second night of the concert. The band booked five buses for its show. Accused... uh, Semicolon. Accused bus driver Stefan Voll drove the bus of the band's violinist, Boyd Tinsley. During warm months, the Chicago Architecture Center offers a boat tour of the buildings along the Chicago River. The boats have open roof seating where passengers sit for the duration of the tour. Most Chicago bridges feature riveted grating, which is used for its strength and anti-slip properties. Riveted grating allows rain and other liquids to pass through, removing the need for complicated drainage systems. Next section is marked Incident. (laughs) Good. On Sunday, August 8th, 2004, at 1.18pm, bus driver Stefan Voll was alone in the bus of band violinist Boyd Tinsley on his way to a downtown hotel when he emptied, emptied the bus's Blackwater tank as it crossed the metal grates of the Kinsey Street Bridge. Passenger boat Chicago's Little Lady was hosting the 1pm scheduled Chicago Architecture Foundation tour of the Chicago River. While passing under the bridge, the boat received the full contents of the tank on the seats of its open roof terrace. The full full contents, not even a little bit missed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Roughly two-thirds of the 120 passengers aboard the tour boat were, quote, soaked, according to Wikipedia. The boat immediately returned to its dock, where all passengers were issued refunds. <laughs> Five passengers went to Northwest Memorial Hospital for testing. According to the Illinois Attorney General, passengers aboard included persons with disabilities, elderly, a pregnant woman, a small child, and an infant. That's less funny. Obviously. I mean, it's not funny that it happens to anyone, but that's even less funny. Um, the filing also describes the incident further. This is a quote from the filing to the uh, Attorney General. The liquid waste was brownish yellow, was a brownish yellow in colour and had a foul offensive odour. The liquid human waste went into passengers' eyes, mouths, hair and onto clothing and personal belongings, many of which were soaked. Some of the passengers suffered nausea and vomiting as a result of exposure to the human waste. 
the boat's deck, this is end quote there, uh, the boat's deck was swabbed by its crew and service was, re- was resumed for its scheduled 3pm tour. What? Yeah. they got to make their money. They did a good swabbing for two hours there. <laughs> um, so, aftermath, the final section I think here. Immediately following the incident, evidence as to the identity of the bus or bus driver was unclear to the Chicago Police Department, who stated they were investigating the incident but did not yet consider it a crime. On the August the 9th, the Chicago Architecture Foundation released a statement that a witness had recorded the license plate, which they turned over to the police as evidence. On August 10th... Um, so it's actually just recently been the anniversary of this event, actually. Oh, uh, on August 10th, bus driver Jerry Fitzpatrick, also uh, who also drove for the band, was identified as the owner of the bus's license plate. In a phone interview, Fitzpatrick deni- uh, denied to a Chicago Tribune reporter that he had dumped the waste, asserting he was parked in front of the band's hotel at the time. A publicist for the Dave Matthews Band issued a statement in response saying the band's management had determined that every one of its buses was parked at the time Mm. of the incident. Mm. Fitzpatrick, who was in Effingham, Illinois at the time, instructed Sergeant Paul Gardner of the Effingham Police Department to inspect the bus's septic tank to prove he could not have emptied it. Gardner reported to the Chicago Tribune over Fitzpatrick's cell phone that he had inspected the tank and that it was nearly full. Um, wow, they really, they were going through some serious What are they eating on that bus? Yeah. (laughs) Um, State prosecutors worked with a nearby fitness gym at East Bank Club to determine the offending bus based on the gym's security videotapes. On August the 24th, Illinois Attorney General Lisa Madigan launched a $70,000 lawsuit against Vole, alleging he was responsible for for the dumping. Vol denied dumping. dumping the waste and was <laughs> indeed. Uh, Vol denied dumping the waste and was supported by the band. On August 25th, Mayor Richard M. Daly held a press conference in which he released the videotape used as evidence. Daly also expressed his belief that the dumping was quote absolutely unacceptable, but that he believed that the Dave Matthews band was quote a very good band. <laughs> What's that yeah, got to do with perfect. it? Perfect. It's fine then. Uh, In March 2005, however, as evidence mounted, Vol pleaded guilty to reckless conduct and discharging contaminants to cause water pollution. The Dave Matthews Band, however, did not immediately apologise for previously supporting Vol. He was sentenced to completing 150 hours of community service, received a fine of $10,000 to be paid to Friends of the Chicago River, an environmental organisation, and he also received 18 months of probation. The Dave Matthews Band donated an additional $50,000 to the Chicago Park District, as well as $50,000 to Friends of the Chicago River, and paid the state of Illinois $200,000 as a settlement. The Dave Matthews Band additionally agreed to keep a log <laughs> keep a log yeah. of when and where its buses empty their septic tanks. <laughs> it is believed that Vol did not realise there was a boat underneath the bridge when he dumped the waste. No passengers suffered any long-lasting physical health effects from having the waste dumped on them. So it doesn't matter that and there was a the boat end. underneath. He shouldn't have been dumping it in the river full stop. No. I wouldn't have done it city. if I knew <laughs> there was a boat. Yeah, there. I didn't realise there was a boat under there. I was trying to dump it straight into the river. <laughs> Fucking hell. I thought it was maybe an accident going into this, but no, it was mal- malice dumping. Yeah, he was crossing the bridge and thought, oh, I need to dump this 
extremely hefty load of human <laughs> waste I have on this bus for some reason. And oh, look, there's gaps in this bridge. I'll do it here. Horrific. Jesus Christ. Horrific. Wow. Thank you, Peter, for that smelly thing. You're welcome. <laughs> it's not breaking poos. It's old poos. It's that old one, poos. I think. Yeah. Callum Story at Callum Story 1 says, currently off work sick. Can we get some stories of your worst or weirdest illnesses? Oh. I've got a couple that I can kick us off with. Okay. Uh, my weirdest one was probably, that I've spoken about this one anecdotally before, I think, um, was over one Christmas where I got sick with a stomach bug. But you remember mini hula hoops? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, they used to do those in like buckets. You could just yeah. get a bucket yes, mini. Yes. I got one for Christmas from from the big FC, right? Captain Santa Claus himself. Right. And I ate a lot of them. And then I had this stomach bug and I was sick. And I associated hula hoops with making me sick on Christmas. And uh, oh. I never ate them again. I have since eaten hula hoops from time to time. But as a child, I would never touch hula hoops again. Because yeah, fair I'm allergic to them, you know? <laughs> Yeah. They make me sick. Um, the other time, I would say, is probably the worst food poisoning I've ever had, which was from a sausage roll from Tesco. Ooh, just one of their own Greg's then. sausage roll. No, not Greg's, mercifully. And I was at university at the time, and it wiped me out for like a week. And I've never had food poisoning <laughs> like that before. I was just being ill all of the time. And I couldn't go to any lectures and I emailed Tesco and said, hey, your sausage rolls made me really unwell. And they said, oh, have you, uh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Have you uh, held on to um, held on to the sausage rolls? And I was like, no, because they made me sick. And I've also been in bed for like four days. And I only feel the strength now to, to contact you. And they're like, oh, sorry. Well, you know, if we can't test it, then you might be lying to us. Uh, mm. So I never got, I never got what was mine. You know, I never got mine. Oh, man. As a result. Not necessarily weird, but that was certainly a really shit illness. Yeah. I My worst food poisoning that I ever had, I've got a weird one as well, but this is one of the worst I've had, was um, it was at What Culture, actually. Um, they weren't responsible, but I just remember that's where I was working at the time. And um, I had made a sandwich and brought it in to work, and it was a ham sandwich. And I remember, actually, at the time, eating it and thinking it tasted different it didn't taste bad at all like I didn't think it tasted bad but it tasted kind of sweet um oh. and I thought well, maybe it's like well I, don't, I didn't even think about it at the time but like if I had I think I would have just thought maybe it's sort of honey honey roast ham or something it just, just tastes sweet but it tastes fine mm. um then I went home I was absolutely fine uh had some dinner as well and we had um uh Chicago Town, I think they were pizzas or or something. It was a brand I don't normally have. And then we were just sitting watching TV after dinner, and I was like, "Oh, I could I could probably just go f go go to the loo right now. I think maybe." <laughs> and uh, when I went into the bathroom, like just I just became from both ends just an absolute fountain. Oh, um, <laughs> it was so. So bad, like horrendous. And I had the difficult decision or the diff I was in the, the difficult position, I should say, of having to uh, be seated to deal with one problem, but also think <laughs> I'm about to throw up. What do I do? Do I like I can't just vomit between my own legs? What am I supposed to do? So I was sort of trying to do trying to kind of take turns 
um, kind of quickly hovering on my on my like <laughs> leaning forwards and throwing up in the sink, uh, oh. and then sitting back down again very quickly. Uh, and because I just had dinner, I was just throwing up like. It just looked like pizza that had just been chewed up a bit, like it was not oh, even no. remotely digested. And poor Amy heard all this commotion and came in and just like looked after me. And like the sink was just orange. Oh, and no. sorry, this is really it's if everyone's enjoying their dinner at home, it's really graphic, isn't it? But it's just I'm trying to get get across how awful I felt. And then actually. For the next like three days, I couldn't, I certainly couldn't eat anything and I couldn't even drink anything without like throwing up again. Um, oh. So for like two or three days, I basically wasn't getting any water in me or almost nothing. Um, and Amy was like, if if this goes on any longer, like you're going to have to like go to hospital or something because you're not getting any liquid in you. Mm. Um, and she like was talking to her mom who used to be a nurse and her mom was like, go and get some ice cubes and he might be able to like hold an ice cube in his mouth. And that like means that you're literally like drip, you know, drip drinking as it were, rather than gulping any kind of mouthful. You just slowly taking in water, probably through your mouth as well, just absorbing it. Mm. Um, and I just about kind of stayed out of hospital, but they were, I think we were all kind of on the edge of sending me in because I was just, in such a bad way jesus um the ham was out of date if you'd not noticed <laughs> it wasn't meant to be sweet <laughs> it wasn't oh. supposed to be sweet but um i had no idea like i've never I, i've never like accidentally eaten out of date food before then and now i since then i've always been really I, it's like it was a traumatic experience and i oh, always yeah. now check sell-by dates i don't like risk it by a day i used to like sometimes think oh well you know like if it's 12 hours past the day like it doesn't really matter you know they cover themselves at the shop but I now won't do that ever and whenever I cook like chicken or something I will not sit down and eat like a fillet of chicken that I've cooked even if I know it's been in there the required time I will not sit down and eat it without cutting it in half and checking to see if there's like steam coming out of it and I will like I will touch it as well just to make sure it's like too hot to touch Mm. Because I'm, I'm just basically traumatized from that yeah, no, experience. Um, but the weirdest like, one I've had is I had the migraine. Well, apart from um, apart from when I got amnesia, which I've told that story twice now on the podcast. So, uh, you know, you already know that one in Germany. Uh, but I got a, a migraine when I was a student. Um, and I remember, I think I'd been up all night, like finishing a, like an essay or something. Um, and I had like a... I think I'd finished it and I went back to my um, student like apartment just to submit it online. And so I was basically ready for bed. I'd probably been up for like 26 hours or something. And I was looking at my laptop and I'd submitted the thing and I was basically about to turn it off. But I, I don't know if I was like checking my emails or something. And I noticed like right in the center of my vision, there was just like a small area that started to kind of swirl a little bit. And like kind of, I think it's called, is it called Aura? that you get when you have a migraine and it was like kind of just like swirling around a little bit I was like oh that's weird what's going on there and then I looked down at a piece of paper that was on my desk and I could see that there was writing there and I could make out all the letters clearly but I couldn't read I like I was incapable of reading I was like what the hell is happening here and I think I like 
managed to stay calm enough to think I'm not having a stroke. I'm clearly having some sort of migraine here. But that was really strange to actually look down, see what I knew were English words, mm. like clearly. And I just couldn't read what it was saying. I was like, oh, my God. So needless to say, I got straight into bed, went to sleep. And uh, I've never had one since. I know some people get them kind of chronically. But um, Jesus, yeah, it was a really strange thing. Sadly, I'm like, not much of a, an ill boy. I, like, well, I'm saying this right now as a sickly boy, but when I get ill, like 99% of the time, it's a cold. And at worst, it's a sore throat. And I feel sorry for myself for a week. But I, again, without retreading on old ground, it's 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 my what culture vom and plop story where I rocked up to the office one morning. Within half an hour of getting there, I vomited in the toilet. I was like, mm, I don't feel good. Left the office and like spent the entire journey home trying to keep in sick and then having to run off the metro, vomiting on a platform in front of like 20 people and just oh. looking like a mess. That was the worst bit probably. The oh, embarrassment. No. I was like, I've not been drinking. I'm just ill. Leave me alone. And then yeah, getting home into my lovely warm bed, breathing a sigh of relief and sighing a bit too hardly and pooing myself <laughs> twice. <laughs> and was that just a bug or do you think you um it was like food poisoning or something i think it must have been a bug because yeah. yeah i i don't think yeah I, the, like no one else in our house got ill that night and it was just it, was, it must have been like a 24-hour thing because like it didn't take too long to clear it but my god what a sweaty and ploppy period it was to be laid yeah, up in bed that's terrible not fun i never i never wished to have that happen again once was enough thank you very mm -hmm. much yeah bloody hell i was just googling an image of uh, the mini hula hoops just to put on the thread. I couldn't find any photos of mini hula hoops. But I did, however, find a photo of regular hula hoops, including a link to this article here from the mirror. Lad finds world biggest hula hoop, a supersized five inch crisp. Would you like to see it? <laughs> I think I saw this at the time, but please do. Get a load of that one. Yeah, Whoa. there it is. I've seen that before. Jesus, it looks like some kind of spawn of the devil. Big chunky crisps. Yeah. I'm going to add it to the thread now, just so people will know what the fuck we're talking about. A reminder, if you go and follow us on uh, uh, on Twitter, at Vidiots Official, uh, we do tweet a thread for every single Podiots episode, so you can tell ahead of time when we're recording, and also get weird cryptic hints at the kind of stuff that we're talking about, so go check us out there. You two yeah. can see the big mangled-looking hula hoop. You can see the big crisp, <laughs> the hoop. Um, well, there we Hopefully are. Hopefully they need that and have, have kept that and had a news story written about it and they gave it a name and it's stayed in the family for years yeah. since. Yeah. Perfect. Right, it's time for my thing, guys. Have you ever thought about putting a child in the post? <laughs> not, uh, not personally. Probably though. as a child, I probably thought about <laughs> posting myself, but no, not as an adult. Okay, can one of you pop this on the thread? But there you go, there's a nice uh, image of two postmen with children <laughs> in their oh my God. little mail bags that there. Thank you. That's, that is literally, as you describe it, it's, it's just children sitting in mail bags with cute little hats. Yeah, it's very sweet. We're going to learn a little bit about posting children now, slash humans. Um... This is all taken from an Imgur post slash thread. It's clearly screenshots of an article, but I don't know which article or where it is. So here we go. In 1913, it was legal to mail children with stamps attached oh, to Mikey, their clothing. Mikey, you've uh, posted that from your own account. Oh, Mikey. Fuck. 
Rookie mistake. <laughs> Damn. Let me get in there and change Bloody that. Bloody tweet deck. Man. That's all right. Eww. In 1913, it was legal to mail children. With stamps attached to their clothing, children rode trains to their destinations, accompanied by letter carriers. One newspaper reported it cost 53 cents for parents to mail their daughter to her grandparents for a family visit. And then there's that photo <laughs> that's in the link dump now. <laughs> Uh, in January 1913, one Ohio couple took advantage of the U.S. Postal Service's new parcel service to make a very special delivery, their infant son. The Beegs paid 15 cents for his stamps and an unknown amount to insure him for $50, then handed him over to the mailman who dropped the boy off at his grandmother's house about a mile away. Regular- Sorry, hmm? we lost your baby, but here's $50. It's $50. That's the insurance you paid for. I'm going to need one of you <laughs> now to look away. up. a mile away. A mile away. Yeah, a mile away. Yeah, about a mile away. They couldn't right. be bothered. <laughs> no, they really couldn't. $50. What's $50 in today's money? That's the real question. Come on, what, what year was it? 1913. 1913. Yeah. The US dollar has lost 97% of its value since 1913. Oh. Wait, uh, whoa. This- Wait, sorry, can you say that the, the uh, I found the inflation calculator. Could you give me the number again? It, it was 1913 and it was insured for 50, $50, five zero. That's uh, $1,500 in today's money. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's, okay. that's fair. Yeah, I'd take that for a baby. Yeah, it's worth a baby, sure. Uh, yeah. Regulations about what you could and couldn't send through the mail were vague when post offices began accepting parcels over £4 on January the 1st, 1913. People immediately started testing its limits by mailing eggs, bricks, snakes and other unusual packages. So were people allowed to mail their children? Technically, there was no postal regulation against it. And it says in a, uh, a quote here, The first few years of parcel post service, it was a bit of a mess, says Nancy Pope, head curator of history at the National Postal Museum. You had different towns getting away with different things, depending on how their postmaster read the regulations. Pope has found about seven instances of people mailing children between 1913 and 1915, beginning with the baby in Ohio. It wasn't common to mail your children. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't common to mail your children. Uh, yet for long distances, it would have been cheaper to buy the stamps to send a kid by railway, ra- by railway mail than to buy her a ticket on a passenger train. In addition, people who mailed their children weren't handing them over to a stranger. In rural areas, many families knew their mailman quite well. However, those two viral photos, which are the ones that I, I sent to you guys, you might have seen online of postal workers carrying babies in their mailbag were staged photos taken as a joke. Uh. A mailman might have carried a swaddled child who couldn't walk, but he wouldn't have let a diaper-wearing baby sit in a pile of people's mail. And then there's a photo. Yeah, I guess them sitting in the mailbag is kind of like... It almost implies that the postman is like a robot that doesn't understand, like, oh, <laughs> this is parcel, parcel go in bag. Yeah, you know, like he's... <laughs> whatever he's sending must go in his You sack. are classed as mail, you of... must go in the bag. Yeah. And then there's a photo I've just sent you guys. May It says, May Peerstorff, who was sent through the mail, <laughs> is the caption of the photo. I'd be pretty Peerstorff if I was sent in the mail, oh, to be honest. Oh, nice. In the case of May Peerstorff, whose parents sent her to her grandparents' <laughs> house 73 miles away in February 1914, the postal worker who took her by railway mail train was a relative. The Idaho family paid 53 cents for the stamps that they put on their nearly six-year-old daughter's coat. Yet after Postmaster General Albert S. Albert S. Burleson heard about this incident as well as another inquiry, 
Uh, someone had made that month about mailing children. He officially banned postal workers from accept accepting humans as male. Still, the new regulation didn't immediately stop people from sending their children by post. A year later, a woman mailed her six-year-old daughter from her home in Florida to her father's home in Virginia. At 720 miles, it was uh, the longest Jeez, postal trip wow. of any of the children Pope had identifi has identified and cost 15 cents in stamps. What? God. In today's money, that's $4.50. $4 for a 700-mile journey. That's a bargain. In all Your child may never look at you the same way afterwards, but hey, think of the savings. She's got to come back as well, though. That's the thing. <laughs> in August 1915, three-year-old Maud Smith made what appears to be the last journey of a child by US Post when her grandparents mailed her 40 miles through Kentucky to visit her sick mother. After the story made the news, Superintendent John Clark of the Cincinnati Division of the Railway Mail Service investigated, questioning why the postmaster in Caney, Kentucky had allowed a child on a mail train when that was explicitly against regulations. I don't know if he lost his job, but he sure had some explaining to do, Pope says. Though Maud seems to be the last successfully mail... <laughs> I love this sentence. Though Maud seems to be the last successfully mailed child... Oh, God. Others would later still try to mail their children. In June 1920, First Assistant Postmaster General John C. Coons rejected two applications to mail children, noting that they couldn't be classified as harmless at <laughs> couldn't be classified as harmless live animals, according to the Los Angeles <laughs> Times. <laughs> and there we are. You used oh, to be able to, in America, post your children across the country for a brief period. It, it kind of, well, I mean, it doesn't make it any better, but it kind of makes sense when you said that everyone knew the local post carrier. So it was, well, I just had this mental image of people going up to the post office with a baby, mm. <laughs> with yeah, like a stamp attached to his forehead. Yeah. <laughs> can you send this for me, please? And like, yeah, sure. Why not? You got the right <laughs> stamps. Oh, sorry. I can only take you as far as Kentucky. But we don't want to go to Kentucky. <laughs> Who, sorry, but that's where you're going. Who the hell is insuring their child for fifteen hundred dollars for a one mile trip like why why are you i know they didn't pay fifteen hundred dollars so that's not how insurance works but you know who who has bought that much insurance to the post their child a mile away mm. I and mean, maybe they weren't mobile enough themselves to take the child but uh you know dep i get also depends how old the child is because you almost think that back in 1913 as long as a child's capable of walking, if they're like five or six, you probably just send them on their own. Just say, yeah. off you go to granny's, you know, mm. it's a one mile walk. Um, I know people born much later than that who used to do trips like that when they were six. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there we are. Crazy. That used to happen. That's so good. Time for the final question from a tiny demon at it underscore Lisa underscore arts on Twitter. Would you do a D&D &D campaign based in the VCU? <laughs> uh, I we... would, but it just seems one of us, we, we would need a DM for starters, and that seems like a lot of work. Yes, so. there's a lot of people when we've spoken about D&D &D before who've immediately sprung up on Twitter and said, I'd, I'd dungeon master it for you. I'd mm. do it. And that's yeah. very kind. But ultimately, if it's in the VCU that would necessitate us putting together some sort of VCU Bible that details every character, every in-joke, every silly thing we've ever talked about. And I can't be asked to do that. Yeah, and I think although we are 
I don't know if it comes across that we're that we're this way, but I think we probably have a little bit of um uh I kind of I think we might be a bit protective of exactly how those things are used in if we were to create content and you know do an actual D&D podcast or something mm. and someone very kindly volunteered to DM it I think to not be in control of how for example Dave Benson Phillips fits into that universe or you know what you know doing the the magic meat face spell casting that and what that entails I think all of that to leave that up to someone else outside of uh, the three of us would would be a a gamble I guess as to how well it would come off because yeah. um, anyone can populate their their D&D campaign with VCU characters and I welcome people to do that by all means but if it was official poddy its content and we were doing a D&D um, podcast I think it would have to be done in such a way that they've it's not just oh here's here's a fantasy village where Dave Benson Phillips and Milo and Mr Blobby live like it's it would have to be kind of more well thought out than that and I don't think any of us have the time to do that yeah I think ideally it'd be like a single three hour one shot campaign yeah which is like what like a really specific little storyline where all these characters are kind of like thrown in but it makes sense it's not just yeah it's not just random things but God it would be stunning to do that at some point yeah. but we need to sit down and workshop this for a week before we even begin to tackle it yeah we, do. Oh, we could potentially look day. at doing something like that for a uh a sort of what's it called one of those live streams you know those live streams that we do one <laughs> yeah, of those yeah, we could streams. do one of those maybe at some point but uh yeah it's uh it's a nice idea i think generally we'd be up for it but it, it would be a challenge for the reason reasons you guys have said um but maybe one day never say never we'll we'll see well i th- I, th- I think it might be worth giving at least a brief look into for the next uh, reunion but we no no promises briefly talked to mr humes about doing some sort of dnd thing with yeah, him did. that yeah, was years ago to... though so yeah he he, had, he did mention uh you'd still be willing to do it but um I, again as you say it's the burden of <laughs> knowing our law mm, <laughs> just, yeah. it's just the tricky bit yeah yeah. And how to work it in in a kind of interesting way. It's like when I did, um, Mikey, you might not know that I did a community comic thing where people were drawing page by page, like a oh, story, yeah, yeah. We're just making it up. And that was very, again, I'm not complaining that this is the way it turned out because that was very much a, a community thing. But if it was, again, put out as like an official bit of content, it was kind of on page three, it would be like, Steven Siegel, you're here. And then the next page that someone else did, oh, yes, I'm here with Milo. And then Milo's like, yeah, I'm just going to give Barbara Piss a call. And then it shows Barbara Piss on the end of the phone standing next to, you know, whoever, the Scandal Penguin. And it's like, oh, it's kind of just, they're there for, for the sake of being there, which is not, it. I, I like to imagine a more intricately woven tapestry with kind of almost a believable universe. Um, that's how it would, it would, I I would like it to come out if that's what we yeah. did, and it's difficult to do. If it can't be perfect, it's it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be tough. That's the potty. It's model. Yeah, it's gotta that's be yes, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> we're renowned for our perfectionism, right? That's right. We gotta, we gotta do that. Well, those are all the questions. Those are all the things. Um, there's just enough time to talk about a few other other little bits and pieces, Michael. I believe there's some sort of sherp. 
www.hearyourclicked.yogscast.com. If you navigate over to that website in your browser of choice, you'll find a wonderful array of goodies. But most importantly, if you navigate over to the video section of the website, mm-hmm. you'll find our latest, greatest, bestest piece of merch. The It Is, well, yes, It Is Beans Time, available in white and black t-shirts. And it's also sat alongside all of our other fantastic, beautiful merch, including mug, hoodie, and other t-shirts. That's store.yorkscast.com. Have a look. It's beautiful. And keep an eye on the Yorkscast Twitter for any discounts and shipping discounts and all that good stuff. Mm. Uh, ah, yes, uh, wonderful. Uh, we're on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook.com forward slash official. Also, bit.ly forward slash official Discord in Camel Case. That's capital V, capital O, capital D. Go there, go speak to your fellow podiots and your fellow vidiots. Say hi. Um, Twitch.tv forward slash official. We sometimes stream there. Streamlabs.com forward slash poddy. It's donations, three pounds or more to get a shout out at the beginning and the end of the show. You support us. You join Pod Squad. You get a shout out. We love you forever. Mikey, can you kick us off again, please? We begin with Peter's drunk gaming uncle. EA Spunk. It's in my ass. Oh, I got a bit croaky there. <laughs> love Spuds. Romantic Canal Museum. Uh, the very generous Tanker Wanker. Thank you. Janet Wick. Oh, God, my voice is giving out now. I can do this. <laughs> Janet Wicks steals from Wicks. Oh, that's good enough. Harry Balzac. Stephen scored as Mr. Black. Mr. Blobby becomes a nude model. Plodiot and Donak 07. Also, Weddy Feber, Dove's Lick. Lord Brotovich. Hobnob for Blobjobs. Cowboy. Oh, hang on. I did this right last time. Cowboy B. Brock. Big Titty Jesus 42. The Jizz Waffles. Caroline, your new wife's a cunt. Ben Gates, go beep, beep, wee. Janet Wick steals from Wix. Stiff Goblin Clitoris. Your carp is beautiful. Ben's son and head jizz. Podiat present Carolyn's cunt. Bartek uh, and Bartek Hugh G. for Inton. Perfect. And finally, we have uh, Caro Time Here is Beans Line. Um, oh, I get it. That took me fucking ages. I'm so sorry. They did just switch the words around, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's Beans Time. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. It says Caro Time Here is Beans Line. But it should be Caroline Here is Beans Time. They just swapped the line and the time. <laughs> Didn't... Oh, see, I thought you knew no, that that's I what didn't. it was all this time. I genuinely oh, I did. Didn't. I was at a complete loss. I was like, this is just <laughs> wrong. I don't... Oh, <laughs> what are you this doing? This person pro- might not have even made it to the end of the podcast for their retribution. <laughs> oh, you know, they may have they donated already, off. so <laughs> who knows? Uh, thank you so much, though. I'm sorry. Uh, I am the Shaft Lord, Midwestern Kevin, Dick and Dom in the Naked Jungle O, Mr. Macca, for Podiat's Defence Fund, a great wet belp, running out of nasty names, Prince Beefcakes, uh, thank you very much. You're very generous. Uh, Ashton, kick him in the balls. Rave Benson Phillips and Snail Rehab. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. Once again, streamlabs.com forward slash poddy. It's donations. Three pounds or more to get a shout out. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Peter, what's on yeah. our videos this week, please? I'll tell you. Worst games ever. Mary, Kate and Ashley win a circle. Mary high from oh, Pompey Craft is here. Vanilla Minecraft episode 10. Overcook 2 breaks up the videos. Who lives in a pineapple? Vanilla Minecraft episode 11. Potty, it's episode 12. Marlowe's Purge. Oh. 
Post, uh, Postum Tat 25, we've been woolified. Oh, I, so that's, my, my woolly character sat right, ne- right next to me at all oh, times. Mine's on yeah. my shelf in the other room. Mine's oh. on my shelf behind me. Uh, time for your joy pills. We have a few time capsule unboxing. I wasn't there for that, I don't think. No, you weren't. Uh, worst games ever, Crazy Frog Racer. Uh, for Duck's Sake, Vanilla Minecraft Episode 12. Sliding on Blood, Fairy Tale Fights. Mm. Smash that F button, Worms Revolution. Um, Benging with Babish, five oh. tasty recipes for your Switch cartridge. I t- the reason I hesitate is because I had to skip past an unlisted video called Happy Birthday, Owen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday, Owen. It's your birthday this month. Happy birthday, hey, Owen. It must be coming birthday. up. <laughs> yeah. Um, Benging with Babish, five tasty recipes for your Switch cartridge uh, cartridges. Um uh, post some tat number 26, the ultimate tat, um, which I think was the walrus mask and Miley Cyrus cutout. Yes. Nice. Um, there was then a video, it's live Twitch stream of We Happy Few slash GTA 5, which is ineligible for monetization due to a copyright claim, um, which is real sad. Is that the uh, one where we played like the Ground Force theme song or something? It sounds Yeah, right. possibly. Maybe. We did that a strong? lot. <laughs> Um, and finally, um, out on the same day as this podcast is Becoming Beautiful, Barbie Makeover Magic Part Ooh. 1. Oh, what a prove what? it. That, that was a good one. one. That was when you were the model, Mikey. But that's <laughs> not until uh, next episode, I don't think. No. Of the podcast. Such a good well, one. We'll, we'll save the stories for that one until next time. <laughs> we most certainly will. Well, wonderful. What a what a time to be alive, huh? Vidiots. Mm. It's a real yeah. channel, and you can go watch the stuff on it if you like. You can. We're past the halfway point. Oh. Well past it. Yeah, yeah. But oh, don't worry. God. Next year we get to do it all over again. All yeah. over again. Mikey. Hello. Where are you on the internet, please? At Parrot Boy on Twitter is the best place to keep up with my comings and doings. Uh, you can see some nice pictures of our cat. And me wearing big wooden clogs. Wowie, what a what a deal. Go go check it out. And I, I stream uh, once a year on Twitch, Paraboy. Go follow it and be ready for when I do. I'll I'll drop it at a moment's notice. You gotta be on your feet at all times. Thank you. Bye bye. Uh Peter, where are we? We're on Twitter as well, at that Peter Austin for myself and at confused underscore dude for Ben. Um and together, along with Ashton, Mikey Point Two. We are um, Mikey doing... point two. Is it only a little, only a t- tiny bit? <laughs> Not even a proper incremental upgrade. Not Mikey two point Mikey no. point two. <laughs> yeah. See, I've heard people do that before, and it used to irritate me. And then I've I've heard so many people do that as a mistake that I've clearly just absorbed that now. <laughs> Mikey point two. The incremental um, upgrade. <laughs> yeah. If you want to see me and Ben working alongside someone who's a fifth as good as Michael Johnson, then you can go to Team Triple Jump on YouTube and Twitch. And of course, we've got social media presence at Team Triple Jump as well on Twitter and Facebook and TikTok and all sorts. Um, but we do loads of stuff over there that you will be familiar with if you've still not checked us out. Why? Why? Rules Boss is there. Worst games ever. We do cooking sometimes. Do it. Go Go look. Go subscribe. Go and ask. Yeah. Do it. Uh, why not leave us a five-star review on your platform of choice? It helps something to do with Al Gore's rhythms. Do you guys have a final question before we ride off into the sunset? 
Well, I, 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 I quite enjoyed the question of what would you teach a class for an hour if you had no lesson plan? Like what would yes. everyone's specialties be? Wonderful. What, would you, what would you impose on the youth? What would you do? Can I just say, we really, we really copped out with that question because I'm pretty sure the question said you can't, you can't just like give them the lesson off, but Ben let them watch Shrek. <laughs> yep. And I never even got around to decide. I said something like DB Cooper, but not that. And that oh. was my answer. So we did a really good job there. Oh, now it's your job to do it properly. It certainly yeah. is. I mean, I'm a supply teacher, so, I, you know, I don't give a fuck. I'm not being paid enough. You don't enough. get paid enough. Well, actually, you do. You get paid quite a lot of money for some reason. I don't get why supply teachers are paid so much. but Emergency workforce. That's it. Yeah. Maybe. I, I don't know. So. Anyway. Nothing wrong with supply teachers. No, nothing wrong I'm with supply teachers. Go, they let you watch Shrek just... and teach you vaguely about D.B. Cooper. So there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. <laughs> don't understand how you can be a supply teacher and afford a phone. So. Yeah, that's the that's real true. mystery, yeah. isn't it? One day we'll get to the bottom of that. Uh, but not today. We're going to go now. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Look after yourselves. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.